team to be dismissed. Kids Quest team. Kids Quest is 10 and under. Amen. 10 and under. All the Kids Quest. Amen. What a crew. Amen. Amen. Brother Matt, if you'd be making your way forward here, and if we get get you up and give them plenty of time, but Amen. We're so thankful tonight to have them here with us and, amen, excited. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, uh, these kids, they make out like a fat rat at Christmas time, I'm telling you. Amen. We had a great time. We did. We had a great time, great time together, everything. I, I, I love it when the weather's right, when the atmosphere's right, everything just was, amen, perfect as far as I'm concerned. How many glad to be here tonight? Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me one more time. We're going to pray. Amen. It's great to get things that we want or need or, you know, you know how I am. I like practical gifts and you know how we enjoy that. But, you know, the Lord knows what we have need of tonight. You know, we, we may act like we know what we need, and we may act like everything, but he knows what we really need tonight. So how many believe that the Lord has something for you? Come on, let's make it personal tonight. He has something for me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again, Lord. God, for our gathering together, thank you, God. Praise you, Lord Jesus. God, for this time, this season that we have, Lord. We thank you for the time of giving, God. God, of time of sharing, Lord, with one another, Lord. Our time of family, Lord God, our time of fellowship, Lord. God, our time of celebration, Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for your coming, God. We thank you, Lord God, for you, Lord Jesus. God, being born, God, coming for us, Lord. God, and we believe that you're coming back, Lord. And I pray tonight that you will just bless. Send us what we need tonight, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Would you put your hands together tonight? Amen. Introduce Brother Matt Perdue. Praise the Lord, everybody. You can be seated tonight. So good to see you. If I could get some more monitor, that would be great. Sister Sound, man. It's good to see everybody this evening. Happy, I don't know if it's the right phrase, but happy belated Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. And so good to see some of the great pillars of this church. I saw Brother uh, Bill Miller. I saw him come sliding sideways tonight. And or Sister Rose, and I could just start naming names. It's just so good to see all of you. These have been these have been faces and people that I've seen growing up uh, here in this church. And uh, and then uh, I thought, man, look at that real nice wagoneer right there. And then I pulled it. I said, who's in that nice wagoneer? And then look, Melissa, Melissa, I call her Melissa Turner. You know, they she come rolling out, and there they are. And and uh, man, I said, this is awesome. I love it. He goes, the payment's awesome too. So. Uh, but anyway, it's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. How many's in love with God? I'm just in love with God. How many would say that the Lord has been better to you than you deserve? Double hands going up right here. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the Lord tonight and His provisions and His goodness to us. And it is truly an honor to be here. And I'm telling you, what a pleasure to see our, our friends, the Wilsons, with us. We love them so much. They are just some of the, the best people you'll ever find on this side of heaven. And uh, Brother and Sister Hamshire, just, I, I start naming names, but it's good to see you all this evening. 
And uh, my wife, we feel like we've been staying it with with with, with uh, Adam and Tori. And and I told my wife, I said it's so much fun, but I feel like we're staying in the Home Alone house. You know, kids are flying around, and we're like, has anybody seen my shoes? Anybody? You know, it, it's just it's just we're trying to get ready, and four or five Christmases this week, and. But uh, it's, it's good things. It's good things. So I, I commend you for taking time on this Wednesday night to come to the house of the Lord. Uh, over the course of my life, the longer I live, the older I get, the more I realize we need one another. We need one another. We need, we need the house of, of God. We need accountability. We need the strength of the body of Christ. And I'm so thankful for a place to come and dwell and pull from. Thank you to Dad for the opportunity tonight to be a part of this. So tonight's a little different. It's going to be twofold. Uh, we're going to bring uh, my my helpmate, my better half, uh, Sister Marin, up here. She's going to be bringing some tools uh, to help you, some practicality uh, going into this new year. Uh, how many think she could be a little better than than what you've been this year? Oh, it's ongoing. And, uh, and I'm just going to try to follow up with some inspiration. But before we begin, we're going to tell you a little bit about where we've been doing uh, there in Maryville, Tennessee. We've been able to, so blessed to, to go out and minister. But more importantly to us, we have been blessed to be right there at home uh, leading the community outreach in the local community as well as uh, we, have, we have signed up to be trainers to teach, to teach anger management. And there's nights I look at Elder Johnstone and I said, I, I owe you an offering because what you just gave me and her and, and just for our marriage and our family and to train our kids, and you, we feel like we owe you an offering. And he said, well, I'm trying to get you trained up to teach people. And I'm like, well, you're, you're, you're helping us tremendously. And uh, it's, it's so rich. It's so great. So tonight we're going to begin with some things that really can help us individually in our homes and our marriages and our families. So will you give my better half a great big hand this evening? All right. Thank you all so much. But let's go ahead and give that hand to God tonight because I know you've done it already, but he's so, so good to us. And I just believe that as we head into this new year, that if you are willing to take the mirror and look back at yourself, it's the hardest thing that you'll ever do but it's going to be the most impactful thing you'll ever do. So tonight I'm going to give you a few things that my husband already said. So we have been trained. We are, I think, two classes away from officially being certified in anger management. And for all the church people, we can also call it conflict resolution. You know, if you feel a little hesitant about raising your hand, like, I need anger management, we may not want to say that. We, okay, you can call it conflict resolution, okay? Everybody okay with that one? So tonight, I'm going to give you four things, if you're taking notes, four ways that we tend to communicate, and we're going to be talking about the way those things come out of our mouth, and I'm going to give you four antidotes to turn that to hopefully make it more pleasant, and if I could give it any title, I would just say, you're speaking out of the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, you're using the fruit of the Spirit to communicate in this way, okay? All right, so here we go. I'm going to tell you a little story first. So I was about nine years old, and my mom took me through the drive-thru at McDonald's, okay? 
the great place of McDonald's drive-thru, and I knew I was going to get an ice cream cone. And she pulled up to the drive-thru, ordered it for me, handed it to me in the back seat, and it was vanilla. Now, I don't know about you, but back in the day, they had chocolate and vanilla. And I thought she should know that I hated vanilla, and I only liked chocolate. So here's how I responded to that. And I took it in my hand like this, and in my mind, I thought, I'm going to sit here like this in the back seat, holding this in my hand the whole ride home, and I hope that it melts all down my hand and my arm. Isn't that, that's awful, right? Do we act like that sometimes when we don't get what we want? And I'll tell you what, I held on to that ice cream cone the whole way home, let it melt down my hand, and still had that thought in my head, she should know that I don't like vanilla. Now, I'm going to tell you what that's called because it has a name. All right, you guys ready? Here we go. Number one, and I'm not quite to the ice cream store yet, but I'll tell you when I get there. Number one, a way that we communicate that is unhealthy is criticism. Okay, criticism. And these four things I'm going to tell you about, this comes from Dr. John Gottman. He calls it the four horsemen of the apocalypse of relationships, okay? their communication patterns that can absolutely be detrimental to any type of relationship. So this doesn't have to be um, a romantic relationship. This can be between a parent and a child. This can be between a boss and a worker, um, any, anywhere in life, okay? Now, his main focus is in relationships, but it can go across the board. So criticism, attacking someone's personality or character rather than addressing a specific behavior. Criticism. Here's an example. You always ruin our plans. You are so inconsiderate. I want you to pay attention to what you hear in the pattern. You never listen to me. You consistently fail to meet deadlines. You always forget about our date night. Okay, and if I was not saying words and you could imagine nonverbal communication, what would I be doing? <laughs> Nag- I heard it over here, nagging, right? Yeah, you can write down in quotation marks, nagging, a.k.a. nagging. So you always, you never, and it typically starts with a you, the word you, okay? So here's an antidote to that, a gentle startup. I teach um, speech and communications at our school in Tennessee, and it's so um, fulfilling with the junior class, Um, and we get to talk a lot about changing your you statements to, anybody ever heard of it? I statements. Changing your you statements to I statements. That's difficult to do. It is a lot easier said than done, and the way we teach it is to say I feel, fill in the blank with a emotion or your own thought. And we don't typically go around speaking that way. It feels uncomfortable. It feels very unnatural because we don't hear that when we listen 
to songs. We don't hear it when we're watching TV shows. We typically don't speak like that to each other in our own homes, sadly, right? But an example would be, I feel frustrated when you forget to take out the trash, okay? Instead of, you never take out the trash. Do you hear the difference? Okay. So criticism. The antidote. A gentle startup. Okay, number two. Here we go. Moving right along. I won't be long. Number two is called contempt. Contempt. Now, this is the most dangerous one of the four. And this is treating the other person with disrespect, with mockery, or with disdain. Okay? So treating your partner with disrespect Mockery or disdain. And I have a scripture for you. So Ephesians 4. Okay. Ephesians 4 and 26. Did you know the Bible tells you to be angry? Yeah. It says be angry, but sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. And then verse 29, listen to this. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth because we know what? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's not just random words coming out. It's in here first, okay? But that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Okay, so contempt, contempt. Here is the antidote of contempt. Always appreciation and gratitude. Okay, we have one of our core values in our home is honor. And we're working on it. We're not perfect. We have days that are tough. We have days with each other that are tough. We have days with our kids that are tough. But part of life is learning to practice this scripture because what did I say when I opened up? The hardest thing you'll ever do is put that mirror in front of your face and do self-reflection and say, God, where can I get better? Where can I start to communicate in a softer answer that's more respectful? Okay, so honor, we really work hard on that. That is a kingdom principle of God, the way that he ordained everything from the garden until now. The whole kingdom of God operates on the principle of honor. And it starts in our home. Because if we, we could be the most amazing singer, we could be the most amazing preacher or leader or anything, but if we do not have love, if we don't have the fruit of the Spirit backing that up, it's just like clang, clang, clang. Does the scripture say that? The scripture says it. It is a sound that we don't want to hear because it means nothing. It means nothing. All right, so cultivate appreciation and gratitude. Okay, you ready for number three? Defensiveness. Defensiveness. Trying to go slow so you can write. Defensiveness. Well, if you weren't so controlling, maybe I'd be more motivated to help. I'm not the problem. You're the one always causing issues. And I know these can sound kind of similar, right? Defensiveness can sound a little bit like criticism. 
but typically it's a response to something. Okay, here's another one. It's not my fault the project failed. My team didn't follow through. Okay, always having an answer back. It's the, if you could picture it, it's this, neither, neither, neither. <laughs> always talking back. Here's the antidote. Take responsibility. Take responsibility. I know, I'm sorry. It was my fault I was late today to the meeting. That is hard to do. Accept your role, avoid blaming, and focus on finding solutions. We doing okay? All right, I've got one more. Okay, number four. See if you recognize this. Stonewalling. Stonewalling. Another word you could say for stonewalling would be the silent treatment. I'm going to let that vanilla ice cream run down my arm until it melts all the way. And you know, I know it's funny and we're laughing because I was nine years old when I did that. But if I'm going to just go a little bit more serious, you know what that did? That followed me. That ice cream analogy followed me into my teen years. It followed me when I was 12 years old and my dad, who I have a relationship now just fine, he decided to leave. And I was so angry, oh, so angry at him. Why would he do that to us? And couldn't he see that what he was doing was so selfish? We had two, two of us girls at home and he just left. So what did I do? I let that ice cream run down my arm until it was dripping all over the floor until I was 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17. And my, well, boyfriend at the time said, Marin, when are you going to talk to your dad? When are you going to make things right? I know it wasn't you. It wasn't you that did the wrong. But you can't live the rest of your life like that because you know what it does? It causes bitterness. And it causes a, just a toxic thing to start growing on the inside. And then we're no good for anybody. We're sure not good for ourselves. We're no good for anybody else. So stonewalling, it's withdrawing, shutting down, giving the silent treatment, pouting, any of that, walking away. Now, let me explain a little bit and give a disclaimer. There are times to walk away, right? In a situation where somebody's not being reasonable and we can't communicate, maybe it's not safe. There are times to walk away to protect a boundary. I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm, talk, I'm not talking about taking a break. I'm talking about when you're on purpose ignoring someone. And that is a surefire way to degrade somebody's humanity and the value of a human being that God created, okay? So what do we need to do in all four of these things? I'm gonna give you the antidote in a second. We gotta learn how to communicate. 
It's hard. We have to learn how to have direct communication, share our feelings, and not hold it all in. Okay? All right, so here's what you can do. If you feel, if you've had a habit of that, a pattern, a lifelong pattern of stonewalling, you can practice relaxation. Maybe you need to take a deep breath. You need to give yourself about 15 minutes to bring your nervous system back under control. And then you can fix the problem. So the antidote is to bring yourself back to earth. That's what I like to say. Bring yourself back to earth. Give yourself a breather, okay? Maybe you're not able to talk or communicate right then and there. All right, here's a, here is um, just one more thing I'm going to add, okay? Why do we communicate in these unhealthy ways? Why is it such a challenge? Fear of judgment, fear of rejection, fear of conflict. Fear of judgment, fear of rejection, fear of conflict. And if I could just say what I think it all boils down to is one thing, and that's control. That is wanting to control the situation, the outcome, the feelings. Control doesn't belong to anybody but who? But God. Control belongs to God and God alone. And so when we step in and we start to take over on these things and things don't go how we want to, and we don't get that ice cream flavor we want, and we don't get that Christmas present we want, I thought that was great that you already brought that up tonight. When we don't get the way we want, we're trying to protect our heart. And Jesus the whole time is like, give it to me. It took me 20 years to learn that. To learn that we have to give it over to God. And when we hold it in, it's not good for anybody. So there's four things. If you want to go into 2024, start communicating in a healthy way. Look, look at your relationships in your life. Look at the things where maybe communication is broken down and some ways that you can um, start developing a few more healthy patterns. There are four things and four antidotes for you tonight. Okay, I'm finished. Thank you. Love you. Hey, would you stand with me tonight? Wasn't that just outstanding? I, I want to say this before we go any further. Um, what she is speaking of, you're just, you're just, you're just touching it. It, it. It's so rich. It's so vast. It's so deep. But I'm going to ask everybody, before we get in, would you put your Bible down? And I'm going to ask you, I felt that word control. We, we just need to let some things be God's business, not ours. Can we lift our hands here for a moment? And with our hands lifted, can you just begin to open up your mouth and articulate however you want to? Lord, let me release control to you. Come on, that's it. Lord, let me, let me going into this new year take my hands off things, Lord, of me trying to control it and make it happen or fix this or fix that. God, you have my children under control. You've got my spouse. You've got my employment. You've got all my finances. You've got my future, my ministry. Everything is in your hands tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.
Amen. You know, uh, you can see why, why I'm just ecstatic. This, this information here, uh, Sister Marin and I, I, I believe we need to have teachings on the oneness of God. We, we need to have teachings on baptism and filling of the Holy Ghost, gifts of the Spirit. We need all that. What we need more is day-to-day practical teaching that can get into our homes. We need that. Amen? We need that. This community, this world, it needs that. And uh, so tonight, uh, thank you for that, uh, Maren. That was outstanding. And can I just share some personal information? We've had some opportunities to to go out and do some, some ministry. But the most exciting thing that's happened in the last few weeks is I got a call from a pastor in Tennessee. He said, Brother Purdue, I've been praying for the last two weeks. Every time I pray about a couple to lead our marriage retreat, Matt and Marin Purdue come to my mind. And I said, Brother, if you're looking for a perfect couple, we're not it. But if you're looking for a couple that understands it, sign us up. He said, that's exactly what we want. We want people that understand and can impart some things to some people. So tonight, we're excited about, I think it's the month of May. We're going to be doing our first marriage retreat. So we're pumped about it. And uh, they don't even know what's about to hit them. It's, I mean, they're going to get it from every direction. But uh, if you would this evening, if you grabbed your Bible, I do want to bring some word to you. I don't know what time y'all get out. I know about in Tennessee you're getting at least an hour every Wednesday. I won't do that for, to you, but, but we will definitely drop some word in your spirit. Jeremiah, very familiar passage, Jeremiah chapter 29. Many of you probably have something of the sort up on your wall, in your dining hall, your dining room, maybe your bedroom, maybe whatever. But it's probably plastered somewhere in your home. But in Jeremiah 29 verses 10 and verse 11. Jeremiah 29, 10 and 11. I could not get away from this for y'all tonight. Verse 10, for thus saith the Lord. That's powerful. For thus saith the Lord. After 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you. And perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think, this is the Lord. I know you have thoughts, but there's thoughts I have too. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Another translation says to give you a hopeful future, to give you a hopeful future. So I just want to spend a few moments on talking and teaching, teaching on a hopeful future. It's not deep, but I feel like it's something that some folks in this room need to hear, a hopeful future future. Let's pray. Father, one more time, we come before your presence tonight with all sincerity of heart, and we pray, God, for the next few minutes of time, Lord, that you would just enter this house, God, and speak to your people. These are your men and your women, 
And I pray, God, that you would take this vessel of clay, Lord, and articulate your heartbeat to them, Lord, in this time that we have together. We thank you and we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. You can be seated. Thank you. For 40 years, I'm 43, but for 40 years I've lived in the great state of Indiana. One thing I know about Indiana is it has four seasons. And we have experienced many times the season of winter, and then we have spring, and we have summer, and then we have fall. And it is this cycle that will continue throughout your life. Very rarely on Christmas do you have 45, 40, 45, 50 degree weather, but how many will take it? Because it's rare, it's abnormal. Seasons are tricky. Seasons can be tough. Bishop Steve Wilson once said, you're either in one of three places in your life, you're either going into it, you're in the middle of it, or you're coming out of it. That pretty well sum it up. You're going into it, you're in the middle of it, or you're coming out of it. I've always prayed, God, give me some oxygen from the time I come out of it till the time I go back into it. Because that's the cycle. That's the cycle of life. That's just the way, that's just the way it is. And I could walk out in the middle of winter. And it's cold, and it's snowing, and it's freezing. And I look up at the sky and shake my fist and say, I declare the sun to come out and 80 degrees to shine. It's not going to happen. It's just not. Because there's seasons that come that God has put into to, to motion. It is God's timing. It is the will of God for things to move. It's up to us to get on his page, not for him to get on our page, all right? David Poole once said, he said, I've learned in pastoring that I've always prayed, God bless what I'm doing, God bless what we're doing, God bless what we're doing. In reality, I need to look out where it's, it's, it's showering and raining and say, that's what he's blessing. Let me, let me run all the things I'm doing up under what he's blessing instead of doing what I want to do. So with that, with that understanding tonight, I want to walk you very quickly and keep it very simple in what begin to encounter in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, we understand, is the, the weeping, he's the weeping prophet. And Jeremiah sent a letter to all of those that were taken captive he sent a letter to all those that have been transported to Babylon. He sent it to the elders. He sent it to the priest. He sent it to the prophets and all the other people that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from Jerusalem. And he took them by, capti by captivity to Babylon. And in summary, the following is what this letter, is what this letter said. That he, that he sent. We read it, but let me break it down. The God, of, the God of the people of Israel says to all the people that he sent into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon, here's what you need to do. 
I know you've been taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. And they didn't know how long they were going to be there. They were taken captive. They were taken to, they were taken to Babylon. But he said, this is what you need to know when you get there. He said, build houses. Wait a minute. What? I think one of those podcast people, Mel Robbins, she says, hey, nobody's coming for you. So stop looking over your shoulder like somebody's going to come rescue you. The Lord said, go and build houses. And I want you to not only build them, but I want you to live in them. Wait a minute, Lord. That's, this, isn't, this isn't what's familiar. This isn't what's home to me. This is, this is a place I was taken to. This, isn't, this doesn't seem right. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. But right now, you need to build a house. And you need to live in that house. He said, settle into the land. Plant gardens. Eat the food that you grow. He said, get married, in fact. Have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. Let your daughters be married. In essence, don't hold up the process of life. Do this so that they also may have sons and daughters. We want multiplication to continue. Have many children. Grow in number while in Babylon. Don't become fewer in number. Grow in number. Also do good things for the city that I sent you to. Don't be bitter. Don't pout. Don't stick your thumb in your mouth and say, I didn't ask for this. Okay, go build a house. Go live in it. Go pop some popcorn. Go watch a movie every once in a while. Have a family night every once in a while and move on with life. Move on with life. Don't be fewer than you were. Be more than what you were. Don't, then, he, then he starts talking about, about the word. He said, don't even let false prophets and those who practice magic fool you while you're there. Don't, don't listen to the dreams that they have. They're telling you lies. They're saying that their message is from me. He said, but I didn't send that message. In verse 10 of that chapter, in our opening text, he goes on and says, if I can summarize, Babylon will be powerful for 70 years. So you're going to go there for 70 years. Don't, don't be bitter about it. Don't be angry about it. Don't pout about it. Don't stonewall people about it. Don't stop communicating. Don't become a jerk. Don't become a hypocrite. Don't backslide. Don't open your ears up to false prophets and false dreams. Don't become less. Become more during this season of your life. I know it's not ideal. I, I hear what you're saying. But this is, what I'm, this is what I've got on my mind for you. So you need to do this because I've got good plans for you. I don't plan to hurt you. I, I, I plan to give you a hope, and I plan to give you a good future. And how many tonight would say, what a powerful letter to receive from God. I mean, what a, what a word from the Lord. Okay, there's my marching orders. He doesn't plan to hurt me. He doesn't plan to, to throw me off the, the, the cliff. Did you notice that this letter or these words came to them while they were in Babylon? 
while they were in the place, while they were in the place of captivity, while they were in this place of harassment, a place that is somewhat confusing to be in, the root word, the root word of Babylon is Babel. Babel. And we understand what happened at the tower, at the tower of Babel. For God confounded, God, God confused their words so that nobody understood what each was talking about. It was a place, Brother Miller, it was a place of confusion. It was a place, it was a place of confusion. And I just want to help somebody tonight because I've been there. And there's times I'm still there. Please note that God is not the author of confusion. I've heard preachers say that and I'm sitting there itching my head confused. I'm like, well, you, what do you mean he's not the author of confusion? So let me help somebody. He is not the author of confusion, but it is perfectly normal. It is perfectly normal to experience confusion in your life. Can I get a witness? It is, it is normal to have confusion in your life. It is part of the process of life to have, to have confusion. It's okay to not have all the answers. It's okay not to have control. In fact, it's probably better you don't have control. It's okay to not feel settled in where you're at right now. It's okay to feel uncertain where you're at right now and unsure of what tomorrow is going to be. But I love that old statement that says, I may not know what tomorrow is going to be like. God knows what tomorrow is going to be like. He knows yesterday, today, and forevermore. He knows it all. And so in his peripheral, he can see yesterday, today, and tomorrow all in one sweeping glance. And so it's okay. Don't feel like you have to have all the answers. Don't feel something is wrong with you because you have this area in your life that is somewhat confusing. But I also want to make sure we nail something down tonight. In Proverbs chapter 3, Verses 5, 6, and 7. The word of the Lord says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all of thy ways acknowledge who? Him. And he will do what? Direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Hear me tonight. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord. Seek God and have reverence for God and depart from evil. Amen. As you leave, as you leave 2023 and you begin to look back at this last year, if you've got promises that have not been answered yet, sometimes confusion can set in. But God isn't confused. God isn't surprised. God is not thrown off by anything. He has an expected end for you. He has a hopeful future for you. Do you believe it tonight? I believe it with all my heart. I believe God has my future, my wife, Belle, Parker, Oakland. I pray every 
day when I get in my prayer closet at home, crawl in there every morning and shut the door, and I thank God for His goodness. But somewhere in the midst of that prayer, I'm going to call their names out because I trust Him. Oh God, don't let Matt mess anything up for my family. Don't let me misguide my kids. God, lead their steps. So when they start doing things that's a little different, like, whoa, okay. God, help me to correct when I need to correct and take my hands off when I need to take my hands off. Here we find the men and women of God that have been taken captive from Jerusalem and we're in this confusing place called Babylon, a place that doesn't feel comfortable, a place that typically we're not accustomed to. It doesn't look like home, feel like home, even smell like home. But right there in that place, God says, settle in the land, plant gardens, eat the food you grow, get married, have sons, find wives, have many children, grow in number in Babylon. Don't become fewer in number. Amen. Also do good things for the city I've sent you to. Pray to the Lord for the city you're living in. Because if, if, if there is, is peace in that city, you, will, you have peace also. I remember when we moved to Maryville, Tennessee, Brother Terry Shock, he was kind of mentoring us along. He said, Brother Purdue, Sister Purdue, I'm going to give you one phrase when you get to Maryville. It's not home. It's not what you're used to. It's not the same. It's not exactly, you spent 40 years in a city. He goes, I've experienced that myself in Alexandria. I think he pastored 36 years next to Pastor Mangan. He said, I know what it's like to leave a city, and everything you've invested is there. But when you get there, he said, embrace the culture. Embrace the culture. Lean into it. Don't get, don't get upset. Don't be mad. Don't, don't get frustrated. Let God begin to shape and let God begin to mold. I may, I may be giving you a physical example, but I believe there's some people here tonight that God has put you in a place and you're like, you're just trying to wrestle out of it. You're like, what in the world's going on? This is uncomfortable. I don't like it. Let God do what he wants to do with you during this season. We have a tendency as human beings to shut, shut down when things aren't going the way we think they should go. <sighs> Let's be honest. We like control. We like predictability. We like the, we like the answer before the process. We... <laughs> We, we read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't get to know the outcome before they go walking into a fiery furnace. They just said, oh, I guess this is the way it's going down. I mean, here we are. We're not going to bow. Everybody else is going to bow. But I still like to know who was peeking. Somebody was peeking that we didn't bow. You know, you ever heard that story? Everybody bowed, and, and they said, well, somebody went and said, they, those three guys, they didn't bow. Well, were, was your eyes open? Like, how do you know? They never mind. It's like that crazy uncle at the, the dinner is peeking around while everybody's praying. What, what what's the deal here? You don't we don't know what's gonna happen. We don't know, we don't know the book, the book of the Hampshires. And they don't know. We don't know the book of the Wilsons. We don't know, we don't know the book of the Purdue's or or the Morgans. We we don't have that information because we're not God. But what I do know about the people I've just mentioned is we're sure not going to lay by the wayside and quit. 
We're sure not going to just, just hit pause and say, well, life has thrown us a curveball, you know. Sometimes when we get to a place of confusion and it's frustrating, especially when people are they're reaching over you to get to other people that you know are less qualified than you. And you're like, what in the world? God's like, it's not your time. Build houses, live in them, be a good follower, work on yourself, work on your marriage, work on your kids. Keep being who you are for me and let me just lead you and guide you. There's coming a time, there, there's coming a time, I've got an expected end for you. The season will change for you. You just got to trust me. The first, two, the first and only two words God spoke to me when we first moved to Maryville. I crawled into a prayer room. It was late November 2021. I crawled into a prayer room. I dropped my kids off to school. Went to the prayer room. I was like, where's the prayer room in this place? Like, where, where's the prayer room? You know, this place is like massive. Where's the prayer room? I went in there and I just fell. And the Lord, I said, God, I just need to hear your voice. You know what he told me? Just breathe. All he said to me, just breathe. And then he shut up for months. Evidently, I was out of breath. Just breathe. You can't complain when God sends you to Babylon for a season. You think you know what's best for you, but let me tell you, we don't know what's best for us. God takes you there, and he says, live. And when you come out in 70 years, you're going to have more. Oh, hallelujah. You're going to have more than you went in. I mean, just the two of us walked into Babylon. There's some families, just two of them walked into Babylon. But 70 years later, 70 years later, Sister Charlotte, there's the two of them and their son-in-law and their, and his, and their daughter and their kids. There's like 50 kids coming walking out of Babylon 70 years later. Don't you ever underestimate the experience at Babylon because while you're there, it's proving you, it's testing you, it's building you, you're getting stronger. It's no fun, but keep your tongue to yourself and keep trusting God. Keep trusting God. But don't just sit down and be unproductive and quit and say, God's forgotten about me. No, he's not. He puts you there for a reason. Lean into it. Lean into it. Take control off. Amen. Because here's what we do, and I'm, I'm hurrying to a close. Here's what we do. Man, nothing's going right. I might as well just give up. Who cares? The people that I thought would check on me, they're not checking on me. Oh, well. Oh, I, thought, I thought by now at this stage of my life, I would be fill in the blank. I, I, just, I, I just, you know, how, how many has been there before? I, I just thought by now, surely, surely to the Lord. I, you know, I was, I was promised this, but all I have is that. And it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Right in the middle of the captivity, right smack dab in the middle of oppression and confusion and questions, God sends his word to his people. Settle in. Plant gardens. 
get married, produce, grow, develop, don't become less, become more. Did you hear that? I said, did you hear that? Become more. Even, even if it's not what you want, become more. Don't wait for the promise to build you. Let the process build you. Don't let the promise build you. Let the process build you. I remember, if I could just be transparent, I, real estate in Maryville is extremely expensive. We sold our house that we built here, and we paid double, and the house was a 2004 home. It's just, and, and it's probably went up about 150000 since we've been there. Like, you, you buy a house there, you're, you're going to be living on a gold mine. But, boy, you pay for it. And so every month or every week when you get paid, you're like, all right, this has got to go to the mortgage. You can't play, you can't, you can't plan by the month. You've got to plan by the week how you're going to pay your mortgage. And God blessed me, and I, I, I could write a book about it, and I don't have time to tell it, but God blessed me with an amazing, amazing opportunity in a career that the Lord has just it, it just it just had to be God it had to be God and I, I don't I don't want to go down that lane because I'll just I'm so tempted to do it but I'm not going to but today I won't today the, the, the where I was going with that is I went to my prayer closet and I said Lord I need I need about thirty thousand dollars extra a year Lord I need about thirty thousand dollars and I did it not in a vain way, Brother Thomas. It was like, you know, they're just trying to, trying to keep food on the table and kids at the school and, and you know, just, just functioning. It's not to, to be bigger, bigger. You know what? I just want to be able to do some things. I want to give to missions. I want to be able to have a, just at least one epic vacation a year with my family. I want, I want that as, as, as the maverick of this plane flying in the sky at the Purdue house. I want that for my house. And I said, I'm gonna, I'm just, I'm gonna go after my real, I'm gonna get my real estate license. And so that was the plan. That was the plan. My side gig was gonna get back into real estate. That was the plan. And I signed up for classes, was halfway through the course. Because I've had my license here in Indiana a long time ago. Loved it. I'm like, I could sell some houses down here on the side. But if you know anything about real estate, most of the time you're showing houses when? In the evening. On the weekends. I don't want to get back to a place where you need to remind me to breathe. I'm in Tennessee because I didn't know how to breathe. Okay, I'm here. I'm in Babylon. Teach me. Show me. But I went to the Lord humbly and I said, God, I need your help. I need your help. Don't know how to find it. You know, what, what do I do? So I started the process halfway through the process. It's a Wednesday afternoon at our office. And my owner of my company says, man, can I talk to you a second? I said, sure. Called me in his office. I sat down about 5 o'clock on a Wednesday night. And he said, listen. He goes, I want you to hear me out about something. I said, yes, sir. He goes, there's three people in this company I want to give golden handcuffs to. He said, I know that God could call you tomorrow to Zimbabwe. I understand that. He understands that. Very close. We've, we've cried together. We've talked about God together. We do about every day. One of, the greatest, one of the greatest Christians I know, honestly, Kelly is. And we're sitting there, and he said, this is what I want to do for the next 10 years. 
I want to give you $30,000 a year. I said, what? He said, $30,000 extra bonus above and beyond everything a year. I thought, I'm on like, the, you know, the, that boss thing, like undercover boss, you know. And immediately when he said that, y'all, I saw myself in that closet asking God, Lord, if you would just give me the opportunity to have a little extra money to give to missions, to take my family on an epic vacation, and to, and to pay my bills. I began to cry. I began to cry. And I said, Kelly, I don't think you understand. You just answered a prayer for me. He began to weep and cry as well. I'm driving to church that Wednesday night, and I looked at Marin. We're pulling into, you know, all the most beautiful churches in America. I'm pulling in. I said, Marin, can you believe God would do this for us? Like, all my life, you know, I've mostly been a pastor. Like, when God would bless, I'm like, oh, he's blessing because I'm a pastor. And I'm at this church, and it's, we're connected to the church, and he's wanting to bless the church. Strip that title away. Matt, Marin, he said, I don't care about your title. I don't care about your role. I don't care who you are as far as this. That. I want to, you are my son, and you ask me to help you, and I'm helping you. That is the God that we serve. That is, he cares. Come on now. He cares about you. He loves you. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you an expected end. I'm using something monetary not to give praise to money, but to praise God for hearing my cry on a need that I had. So while you're there, Matt, build a house. Settle in. Work on yourself. Work on your marriage. Work on your kids. Love on them. But there's coming a time when you're going to come out of there. The 70 years is going to come over. It's going to come over. The clock's going to hit 70 years, and you're going to come walking out. I'm telling you, you are going to come walking out of this after 70 years. And when you come out of this, sir, you will be better for that time spent in that season of your life. I know it stinks right now. I'm not trying to hype you up. I'm telling you what the gospel says. There's coming a time where you will come out of this. There's coming a time where he will show up or she will show up. The right man, the right woman, the right situation. God knows your heart. God knows your desires. It will happen. Can somebody give God some praise right now? Just, just love him from your heart. Oh, we worship you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, God. God, we glorify you. Oh, we want to we wanna praise you. Just give me, give me five minutes and I'll wrap it up. Five minutes. You can be seated. Five minutes. So, so don't, don't, get, don't get mad at the creator of your current destination. He sent you there for a reason. He sent you there to learn something. He has sent you to the place you're in right now to be productive, to settle in, to make the best of where you're at in the place that you're at 
do good things while in that place. Pray for the peace while you're there. Lean into the process. Don't run from it. Lean into the process. Thank God for the process. Lord, help me with this. Don't complain about the process. That was to Matt Purdue. If anybody else picked up on something, that was for you. Don't complain about the process. Allow God to mature you, develop you, work on you, flush out the anger, flush out the control issues, build up the low places, and seal up the cracks in your foundation. Don't complain about the process. Because you don't know the weight and the heaviness that's going to be required for the next season of your life. You cannot build a mansion on a dollhouse foundation. You cannot be pitiful and powerful at the same time. You've got to make up your mind who you are in God, what God has for you, and pick yourself up and march out of 2023 and go into 2024 with your head up and your eyes on the destination. You're right, I don't have the title yet. You're right, I don't have the, the house yet. You're right, I don't have the marriage certificate yet. You're right, I don't have the college degree yet. But God is going to march me somewhere. God is going to do it. God is going to do it. God is going to do it. I was, I was, I gotta, I gotta share this quick example. And I'm, I'm done. I was, I was at Ball State back in 2003. Uh, just a inquisitive senior trying to get my teaching degree at Ball State. Had my backpack on. It was a spring day, beautiful spring day. And right in front of Emmons Auditorium, just past the squiggly light. If you know much about Ball State, they had all the mulch out. And the landscapers along that sidewalk had planted all these little trees along the side. I think I've shared this story before, but I feel like sharing it again. And the first day, walking through there, I'm like, wow, it's beautiful. Look at this landscaping along the sidewalk. It's just gorgeous. Sunshine and blue skies. Smell of smulch. Or smulch. The smell of spring and mulch. I guess that's called smulch. And the next day, the next, the next day, I come back through there, every one of those little tr trees are covered up with a bucket. It's still beautiful out. I said to the landscaper, I did, I asked him, I said, what is up with all these buckets over all these trees? He said, they got way too much sunshine yesterday. I said, well, what's that have to do with anything? He said, if, it, if we cover it up to put it in a dark place, because if it's not covered up, if it's not covered up, it'll try to keep growing up. But in reality, it needs to grow deeper roots. The only way for it to grow deeper roots is I have to put it in a dark place. Babylon is not always bright and fun and exciting and gummy bears and rainbows and skittles and people calling you and encouraging you and patting you on the back. It's not. Most of the time, it's criticism. Most of the time, it's humiliation. It's the fear of failure, the fear of rejection. It's the shame and disappointment of what have I done with my life? But when you pivot to saying, what have I done? Saying, what God can you do with what I've done? What can you do to bring glory from my life? Send me to Babylon. Let me spend some time there. 
so that when I come out of this, you get glory. You get honor. You get God. You, you get all of the praise that you deserve. Would you stand with me tonight? I remember Pastor Tim Hammond once said, he said, if you're ever an assistant pastor and you hold back a good idea from your pastor, you're not the guy to ever replace him. And I take that concept in this regard. Don't ever wait for your season to be a great person. I've sat in fellowship meetings and revivals. I'm sure some of these preachers experience this too. And the guy that's going to preach that night, the whole time is sitting there pulling up his socks. Doesn't even stand for nothing. And then he gets up and wants to light the place up. you got to stand. you got to get with it. What I'm saying is it's, that's, a, that's a very dangerous mindset. Because we as people have to live our lives. Take that concept. Live our lives not to please people, but to please God, not to get caught in a rut of an of a organization or a mindset or a thought pattern. Don't get caught in that rut. It's dangerous and it's, it's exhausting, but pull back and say, God, what would you have for me in my life? Because my time is in your hands. My days are in your hands. So in my final words tonight, I'll take you back to Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3 and 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the tables of your heart. So shall thy find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Verse 5, I think this is Dad's one of his favorite scriptures. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Are you hearing me tonight? And he shall direct your paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. Can I stop there? Terry Shock once said, if somebody tells you they're praying, but they can't walk you to where they pray and when they pray, they're not praying. You praying? I'm not casting shame. I'm just trying to hold some accountability. Are you praying? In a service, in a service, let me go back to my pastoring days. I could tell who had a prayer life and who didn't. Okay? It's not something you turn and you flip the switch. It's something that comes out of you. Let me tell you, if you're looking to grow in God this next year, from my life, from my life, things I can help you with and, and, and that I've learned, when you forsake your prayer closet, dangerous thing comes. You've got to go every morning, every morning, 15, you don't have to have the hour of prayer. Find 15 minutes tomorrow morning. When your feet hit the ground, go find a place and talk to God. Go find a place and you watch what begins to happen every day. Just every day, just a few minutes in prayer, taking some things to God. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. Shall be health to thy navel, marrow to thy bones. Verse 9, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Don't hold back tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings are a covenant between you and God. 
I'll keep moving. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Martha Beck said, Hoping, hopeful thinking can get you out of your fear zone and into your appreciation zone. So can we tonight, can we just take a minute before we turn it back over to, to Dad? Can we just take a moment? Can we just gather, just, just step out, just kind of gather around the altar? You don't necessarily have to get down to pray, but can we just gather around the altar tonight as a family? And we just, we're just going to go to the Lord, and let's just pray. Let's just help each other, encourage each other tonight. As you're coming tonight, can we just lift our hands to God?